Welcome to episode 97 of Lords of Order, a DC Comics Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. Lords of Order has Facebook and Google Plus pages. The email address, drfatefanpodcast at gmail.com. Twitter is teal, T-E-A-L, productions. And bigtimenoise.com slash drfate, the website. All those places you can get in touch with me should you choose to do so. I will be more than happy to interact with you about Dr. Fate. Anything else, eh, you take your chances. The main book this episode, All-Star Comics, the 1940 volume, issue 17, dated June-July 1943, entitled The Brainwave Goes Berserk. The narrator tells us, once again, the Justice Society holds a meeting, and once again, its members are destined to be swept into a series of strange events. This time, the test of their strength and ability is one that would have confounded any hero, fictional or real, past or present, for by strange scientific means, their problems and opponents actually have been magnified ten times. Fantastic! But it's the only way an enemy would have a chance against the Justice Society. It all started when Wonder Woman, the secretary, discovered that fade in. Gentlemen, the minutes of the past Justice Society meetings have been stolen. Our roll call, Hawkman, Sandman, the Adam, the Spectre, Starman, Johnny, Thunder, Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate... I just now noticed, Dr. Midnight is DR period, but Dr. Fate, Dr. spelled out. (laughs) And Wonder Woman, comma, secretary. We see an individual reading a book telling us about the last moments of Brainwave from last issue. As he falls, he realizes that his his, his cloak, the robes that he has on, is his only means of helping himself. So he rears back the bottom of the cloak up over his head and flings it forward at a timber that is sticking out of a portion of the castle as he plummets past, and it works. The rope catches, and he is now suspended, able to climb back up to a uh, some building precipice of the castle. He shakes his fist at the Justice Society as they leave and says, I'll have my revenge. Ah, but I will. And then we see that the figure reading a book telling us this story is none other than Brainwave, which you were able to tell by the silhouette anyways that it was Brainwave, but now you know for sure. And he tells us, I have learned how to feed electricity with a substance that gives out rays that will make men small. When I fasten this feeder onto an electric circuit, it sends diminishing rays through the electric light bulbs. And then, when each member of the Justice Society is eight inches tall, ha! So we cut back to the uh, brownstone, I think, where the Justice Society meets. They're scrambling around looking for the minutes. We have a nicely dismissive question from Hawkman. Are you sure you didn't take the record book home to type up the latest minutes? Asking Wonder Woman, she says, absolutely, but just to be on the safe side, I'll go home and check it out. No sooner does she leave that um, Johnny Thunder, I believe, is the one that notices. Hey, look, fellas, the lights, they're turning purple. And then the various Justice Society members realize they're shrinking. 
to approximately 8 inches tall, uh, they say, but we can also see as compared to several books on a bookshelf that a couple are standing on. It's about that size. Down in the cellar at the fuse box, we see Brainwave. He says, <laughs> now to gather up my Justice Society boys and take them home with me. So he goes upstairs, enters each Justice Society member in their own individual little cage, and takes those cages with him back to Shark Tooth Bay. Then he and his um, henchmen gather and he tells them the plan. Each of you will have an assignment so that when you have carried them out, we will have committed the cleverest mass crime in history. Now you know your parts. Go forth and reap the harvest where I have sown and fear nothing, for the Justice Society will be no more. There shall be none to stop you. And in the midst of this, Hawkman whistles for his hawk friends, actual hawks, uh, earthly terrestrial hawks. Each cage is grabbed by a hawk and the flock, uh, can I say? I I guess the Justice Society. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I have to do this. Uh, With the hawks helping them, the Justice Society flew the coop or they got the flock out of there. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So now we break out into each of the individual stories whereby the members of the Justice Society do stay small when they foil the various hench members of Brainwave's mob. But to us, the narrator tells, when the Brainwave plotted to use Plan B, he overlooked one thing. His chief lieutenant was superstitious, conscientiousless rat though he was lucky luke believed in omens like four-leaf clovers and broken mirrors but though lucky luke didn't take chances with his luck he forgot to take one thing into account his fate and we have uh, lucky talking to a subset of brainwave's henchmen or perhaps they're just specifically his henchmen we probably will never know exactly telling them what they're going to do. They're going to enter a bank, not break in. They're going to enter a bank as workmen. They're going to pose as workmen that have been called to work on gas pipes. Uh, They'll arrive at about the time the bank closes so that everyone is preoccupied with other things. Sneak in, get to the appropriate pipes that they need, and release some sort of anesthetic gas that they never really say what it is as they're talking about their plans, but we do know that that is uh, what happens later on in the story. We're, We're told that that's the effects the gas is having on various people, but we're not told beforehand. As they're in the bank, hooking these things up, turning them on, loosing the gas into the bank now, Dr. Fate arrives on scene. A tiny cage drops on the city streets from its twisted wreckage, leaps a gold and azure figure, Dr. Fate, azure, A-Z-U-R-E. So I guess that's his colors, gold and azure, or azure, I'm not sure which is correct. So he sneaks out, and he knows, because he overheard Brainwave telling his henchmen the plans, he knows what's going to happen, and he knows that he's at the site of one of the happenings. Dr. Fate does, so he's he's in good position. 
as he goes to get into the bank, he sees that one of the henchmen is attempting to close up the windows of the bank, seal all this gas in that they have released. Quickly, Fate breaks that window, which releases the gas, allows it to get out and not concentrate the bank. Robbers realize this, grab what they can, rather than having the time to really do a good job. They just grab up what they can and leave. Fate hitches a ride in his eight-inch guise on the bumper. They go back to the hideout. Excuse me. Go back to the hideout. And we see some monologuing from Lucky Luke, who says he knew he was going to be be lucky today because see a pin and pick it up, and all the day you'll have good luck. I always thought that was a penny. See a penny, pick it up. I don't know. And it looks like he's tossing a bullet in his hand rather than a pin. So I, I don't know what he's talking about, really. But uh, maybe it is see a pin. I don't know. But then things start happening. He starts hearing voices. And actually, his henchmen do, too. They hear it. And he starts getting a little nervous. And as he's trying to figure out where the voices are coming from, Dr. Fate knocks over a hand mirror and breaks a mirror. So now Lucky is hearing things, and he has broken a mirror, which is seven years bad luck. Dr. Fate, meanwhile, has stolen into a side room and is typing a message on a typewriter. Says, I am wise to your schemes, Lucky. Your gas masks and loosed gas valves have no secrets from me. Your fate is signed. That message is still in the typewriter, which Lucky just heard typing, so he goes and sees it. Now he's really starting to forget um, as he's Looking around, trying to figure out what to do, Fate, from behind him, throws a dart into the calendar, drawing Lucky's attention to the calendar, which shows that it is Friday the 13th, which is just the other day as I record this. That Friday the 13th business will hold Lucky long enough for me to finish this. Dr. Fate uses some things and fashions a rough gas mask and marks the other gas mask, the gas mask's destined for usage by Lucky and his crew with an X in some sort of poop greenish pea soupy colored looking paint. He marks X's. Runs aside as they grab their equipment, hitches a ride on the bumper again to the Chemical Bank and Trust Corporation, which they're going to attempt to rob again via the same methodology as the first bank. Unbeknownst to them, Dr. Fate enters the bank with them. First, he loosens a light bulb and drops a penny in the um, contraption, causing the electrical system to short out. He then takes bags of pennies from a height, uh, making blockhead buster bombs with them. I guess he drug the bags up to the site. He's dropping them on the men, and he can see them because the X's he painted in phosphorescent paint. I have no idea where it came from. They just had some there in the hideout, and he used it. So he bombs each of the men, knocking them out, runs over to a bell that is the alarm system for the bank, and starts kicking it, much as the the clacker would inside. Calling the police, the police round up all the men, and as soon as they get there, the Thunderbolt gets there, Johnny's Thunderbolt, and says it's not only war-saving time, it's Johnny Thunder-saving time, Dr. Fate, 
as he grabs up Dr. Fate. And Dr. Fate says, what? Again? Still in his eight-inch guise. So we move through and we see near the end of Johnny Thunder's story that his thunderbolt tells him that ah, he could have gotten them back to their regular size at any time. And Johnny says, well, grow me back and go get the rest of the crew then. And so that's what the thunderbolt does. Seemingly from nowhere and everywhere, the Justice Society drops into the room restored to normal size. Uh, This is the room that Johnny was in. All the grown members are there, all resized. They talk about their various adventures quickly and decide that they will go back to now Shark Tooth's Bay. Shark Tooth, yeah. Or Shark Tooth Bay to get Brainwave in his castle. But he has some sort of electronic scrying device and he knows they're coming. So he surrounds his tower with dynamite, hidden explosives buried, attached to a plunger. And when they get to a particular location, a particular radius, he will ignite the dynamite, blowing up the Justice Society. That's his plan. Well, Thunderbolt pops up out of the plunger box, uh, being a a being of, I guess, mystical uh, electricity. I, I don't know. Magical energy. Whatever. Pops up, and he tells him, Oh, you don't want to do that. But mind you, don't tell Johnny I've saved his life. Johnny thinks he's so smart. You know how it is. Promise me, huh? And meanwhile, he's he's buddying up to Brainwave, and Brainwave is trying to bat him away and everything. You know, kind of a humorous, playful kind of thing. Finally, Brainwave says, okay, okay, if that's the way you feel about it. And Brainwave runs off. I certainly do. Now to finish them, and he throws the plunger. Well, little did he know that when the Thunderbolt uh, got inside, he found, gathered up all the explosives, and from outside, put them all inside, put them under the tower rather than around the tower. So when Brainwave threw the plunger, the dynamite ignited beneath the tower, blowing up the entire tower. And we know that because uh, in the last panel, Thunderbolt tells us, well, I tried to get him to stop. I suppose I should have told him that it was too dangerous to leave mines under the road, so I moved them under the tower. And that's where our story ends. Much less a uh, pro-U.S. involvement in the war story than the previous issue. I mean, very much so. It was not even really mentioned. Uh, Brainwave being a uh, super villain. Uh, so we had Brainwave. Then we had the. I wonder if they had to put this story off once because they were asked uh, once, um, um, one issue, because they were asked to do something, and that's what that middle issue was, last issue in between the two Brainwave stories. I don't know. Uh, I'm not even sure if there's anybody alive anymore that could really tell us that, now that I think about it. These, these creators and younger creators are just leaving us left and right. It's so sad every couple weeks, every month to peruse uh, the listings of comic book creators that will not be creating for us anymore. Uh, And it's, I mean, it happens to all generations, you know, I'm sure. Um, I just, I have much more of an affinity with a lot of the older creators than I do with a lot of these newer creators, but that's a whole other thing. More Fun Comics, the 1936 volume, issue 92, cover dated July-August 1943, will be our next 
continuation of Dr. Fate's story through the Golden Age till today and yesterday. Well, no, it's going to try to make it sound like a radio thing, but no. That'll be the next story that we cover in episode 98. Talk to you then, guys. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.